Digital transformation is the topic of our show today. What's going on inside the largest organizations in the world? And right now on episode 293 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with somebody who is in a position to know. I'm Michael Kriegsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. Before we go any further, it is time to call your friends and call your family and tell them to watch right now and to subscribe on YouTube. There is also a tweet chat happening with the hashtag CXOTalk. And so feel free to share your thoughts and also to tweet in questions for our guest today. And our guest today is Mark Foster, who is the head of IBM Global Business Services, which Everybody knows about IBM, but you may not know that IBM Business Services is an enormous, enormous entity in its own right. Mark Foster, welcome to CXO Talk, and thank you for being here. Michael, thank you very much. Real pleasure to be with you. Real pleasure. So, uh, Mark, please tell us about IBM Global Business Services. Yes, so, well, as you say, IBM Global Business Services, some might say, is a bit of a uh, a well well kept secret in the organisation. I have to recognise that IBM you know, Global Business Services is actually around about twenty percent of the whole of IBM, uh, which meant that last year in twenty seventeen that was around about sixteen billion in revenues uh, last year. And, and I have about one hundred twenty five thousand people uh, somewhere around the world, all working for our clients on behalf of. Uh, of global business services. So your revenue is sixteen billion dollars, and how does that? How does that? Uh, what type of clients are you working with? Well, of course, we're working with clients across you know every industry. We're working with governments around the world. We're we're largely working with the the, the larger organisations, the more global organisations, uh, the leading organisations uh, in each industry uh, around the world. Uh, clearly. I mean, the, re the main reason people come to us is because we're able to solve some of the most complex pro you know, problems uh, that these kinds of organizations face. Uh, and so that's the, that really defines our, our client base. We also, of course, work extremely closely with the other parts of IBM. So particularly uh, my sister organization, Global Technology Services, which is another 40% of the organization, which provides all of the infrastructure services, uh, which underpin many of the things that we do for our clients around consulting, around business process outsourcing, and around application management and systems integration. Mark, I know that digital transformation is very important to your organization, and you've also done research on this as well. So would you share with us some of the, the, the views or some of the, the learnings or the things that you're observing among your clients in, relating, in, in relation to their ongoing business transformation and digital transformation in particular? Yes, well, interestingly enough, I, I, mean, I actually joined um, IBM just some 20 months ago. And the reason that I kind of uh, came and joined the organization uh, at the time was that I could see there was another entire wave of change taking place, a real inflection point taking place in terms of the impact of technology on business. There have been many, many times you know, over various eras where technology has actually you know, really changed the way businesses are, are organizing themselves. And this is one of those. Uh, we, and it's more, it's really the next wave of change beyond the, the internet wave of change. I mean, we're clearly for the last decade or so, we've seen 
something we would call a digital journey going on for many of our clients as they've responded to the fact that you know, the internet has become pervasive. That clearly has changed the way they're interacting with their customers and it's changed the way they deal with ecosystem partners and transform their supply chains and other processes. We're seeing now another whole wave of change, which we're saying is something we're calling the cognitive enterprise. And this is one that's where the pervasity of data, the new technologies such as IoT, uh, blockchain, Internet of Things, and, and, and all other uh, technologies are starting to come together with AI, machine learning, uh, to, to again transform the enterprise in a very, very fundamental way. And what we have done in terms of GBS is try and organize ourselves to help our clients go on this next journey, to, to, to complete their journey as a digital enterprise and then go on to become a cognitive enterprise. So what are the underlying drivers of the changes that you're seeing, both, uh, both from a digital transformation perspective, but also uh, the shift to cognitive because they're both happening simultaneously, right? It's not its not like we're leaving one and now going to the other. It's all exactly, happening exactly, at the same exactly, time. Exactly, Michael. In fact, if anything, they're coming, they are happening simultaneously. And one, if you like, I like to think of as coming outside in, as we think of the impact of digital on organizations. And one is coming inside out, as I think about the impact of the leverage of data uh, with the power of AI uh, to transform uh, businesses. And as we, and as in fact we, we see this, it's kind of coming together in something we would call business platforms. Uh, just just back at the back end of last year, IBM held a, uh, a 100 CEO forum here in New York. And we asked those CEOs what was their biggest bet they were placing for their organization. And it was really interesting that some two thirds of them described that bet as being the fact they were going to wanting to become a platform. As they thought about their business, they were find, trying to find a way that they could actually define themselves in a manner that would allow them, yes, to be digital and fully connected with the world, but to take advantage of the data that they have to, to, to differentiate themselves and create moats around their business. And so this idea about um, creating uh, business platforms, platforms that leverage their data, that then have workflows that are distinctive, that are actually differentiated because I'm working my data to make my supply chain stronger, my sales and marketing more effective, whatever my core process is going to be. And then of course the fact that the people, the expertise in my business now sit on top of these workflows and also get smarter and smarter and smarter as the kind of man-machine interface moves up uh, in the business. So I think it's really, really powerful to think about your business and the cognitive enterprise as being platform-centric. And that's a really big idea now as we go around and talk to clients around the world is which platform are they going to choose to really differentiate themselves on? Then how do they go about building those platforms? And then those things they don't choose to be you know, their main platform, where do I access that? I start to build a composable organization made up of multiple platforms uh, to allow me to compete into the future. So Mark, you're, you, you're raising a, a host of uh, issues here, and maybe we can dissect them one by one. So, so to begin with, is it fair to say that platforms are the, the evolution or extension of digital transformation? Yes, I think that's a way to, that's a way to describe it. I think, that, I think if we think about the way that um, digital transformations tended to happen so far, it really started on the outside of the organizations and people gradually worked their way back, turning their, you know, their customer interactions, you know, their online and mobile interfaces, whatever it may be, 
and, and gradually started their digital journey, as I say, from the front of the organization. And what we've seen is, is, is that process continuing uh, with the digitization of more and more of the activities inside the organization. And that is going to carry on happening. I think that when I think about this platform idea, it's the fact that people now need to be really clear, though, about what is this digitization all for? What is the purpose of my organization going to be going forward? And if I start to be clearer about that, I can start to be more focused about how I am leveraging digital, but also, very importantly, much more focused about how I'm leveraging my data to, to differentiate my processes and, and my expertise in a very, very different way. And by being able to make those choices more crisply, we believe that also helps to give you know, more purpose to the digital journey and, of course, sets off in parallel this other journey. Because you know, what we discovered, this was something that came out from our research, is 80% you know, of the world's data is still proprietary. It's still inside the walls of the major organizations that we're serving. Which means that, in fact, you know, this came through from some of the research you referenced, which was our, our C-suite study we, we recently completed with some 12,500 C-level executives around the world. The biggest idea of that study was incumbents are striking back. And they're striking back through this platform idea. Platforms that they know are now leveraging the data they have in their organization. And of course, putting that data alongside other external sources, but using it in a very, very powerful way uh, to win. So established businesses then are using uh, internal data, combining it with external data, changing processes to build these platforms. Can you give us some concrete examples to make this more, more specific? Yes, I mean, so you, you might take an example like, uh, like Maersk, for example, who, who are, uh, are made the major global shipping organization. You know, and they're, they're looking to try and create you know, a, a new platform uh, as part of a global trade network to facilitate um, the movement of goods around the world. And they obviously they have a huge amount of data themselves. They're looking to use new technologies like the blockchain uh, to particularly to create a completely different platform, which again is, is going to be super efficient. It will take out many, much of the paperwork that currently bogs down that process. And then it will allow them you know, to compete in a different way, but also in this case, start to put in place a new ecosystem of players across the global trade network. Uh, another example might be the work we're doing with, with Volkswagen and indeed with some other of the major auto automotive companies around the world who want to start to use, of course, the data they have about their vehicles, uh, but also increasing the data they're collecting uh, about their customers uh, to connect them in a completely different way around a mobility platform that could be the core of, of, of the experience. So again, um, so many of the world's automotive companies are trying to redefine themselves not as, as automotive manufacturers, but as owners of and runners of mobility platforms where all of the merchant services, all the experience you want to have will, will be so much more about what it's about than simply the fact that I, I, have, a, I have a vehicle to drive around in. I, I want to uh, dive into that, uh, what these companies are doing and the, the, what's involved, what are the implications when they decide to make this type of transformation. But, but before that, can you touch again on why? So why, why, why do perfectly rational, very smart people decide to make this kind of dramatic change in their business? And then we can talk about what's involved in making that change. Well, I think the first thing, the first reason for why right now is that you can. 
mean, the fact you can is one of the reasons why this has actually not been um, so possible in the past was that actually, you know, frankly, we didn't have the tools. Uh, and also, frankly, we didn't have you know, the, the ability to leverage all the data in the organization in the way that we can now uh, uh, to transform processes. We didn't have the ability to, to use these capabilities around machine learning, AI, IoT, you know, to automate our processes, to transform uh, and re-engineer them in a completely different way. So to some extent, the reason for why is that now, now I can. Uh, the second is now I must. And why is the must? And the must comes from the fact that, yes, there are many disruptive forces out there. But it's also interesting that you know, there is a battle of the platforms going on. Uh, you know, it was interesting that you know, there were several competitive organizations in this um, CEO forum that we had, and that many of them had the same platform objective or ambition. You know, several of them wanted to be the insurance claims platform for the region they operate in, or the banking payments platform for the, the place they work in. So there's going to be, a, you know, there's a battle going on out there for people to seize the platform landscape, uh, if you like. So if you're, not, if you're not seizing it, before you know it, you're going to be sitting on somebody else's platform. Um, and, th and therefore, clearly, you're not going to be able to differentiate yourself or you may not be able to um, you know, influence your, your, your future in the way that you know, many large organizations wish to. And of course, also, there are other disruptors out there. I mean, I th although our, our point of view from our report did identify that you know, the, the, the organizations we spoke to saw so much more of their disruption coming from incumbents in their own industry, there was still a lot of activity coming from disruptors who are coming from outside the industry. Just as, for example, my, aut my automotive example, you know, they're actually being disrupted by telcos who want to be the mobility platform. There are, there are city construction companies that want to be the mobility platform. So you not only have um, a need to do it because others in your industry are going to be trying to seize that space, but to recognize the space is being you know, consumed by others as they start to try and create the platform landscape we're all going to be operating in, in the future. And to what extent, uh, and I know your research touched on this, to what extent are or established organizations aware that they have to change and actually taking proactive steps to start initiate those kind of changes? I think we're seeing actually a huge amount of, of, of focus on this. It was very interesting that you know, some you know, over 50% of the CEOs, that particularly the leading organizations we spoke to, you know, were, were putting a very large amount of their capital towards the, the building and operating of these platforms. I think that you know, the journey that so many companies have gone through around understanding they're now playing the digital world, they've all seen the impact of things like an, an, an Uber or an Airbnb or these new business models that are out there. And in many cases, actually, of course, they're now either copying or accessing or, or engaging with these business model players in a different way um, as well. So I think that the, that the awareness in the business community, the leaders we deal with, is in fact very high. And therefore, their, their recognition of the need to change and some of the opportunities to change is very clear. I would say that and this is where you know, our services become so important, is that there are many choices in that journey about the sequencing, about where to start, about what really matters. And I think that's really where, I mean, our ability to help clients go on the journey becomes really important. I mean, we, we have established our, our mission, if you like, in GPS to be the digital reinvention partners for the leading clients in the world. And as a partner, we see ourselves trying to help our clients go on this journey now um, and make sure they're sequencing themselves, but also recognizing these journeys are, are not linear. Uh, it's much more evolutionary 
um, and, 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 and much more agile and, and strategies are going to need to be adaptive as these platforms are created. Uh, and that's something else that we see our role to do is to help make sure that as we, we help our clients, you know, keep their options open while being very clear about seizing the moment that's in front of them. So I want to remind everybody that we are speaking right now with Mark Foster, who is the head of IBM Global Business Services, which is actually a $16 billion business in its own right, a very large company. And there's a tweet chat taking place. It's a rare opportunity for you to ask questions using the hashtag CXOTalk. So Mark, we've we've spoken about some of the drivers that are underlying these, these disruptions and the changes. What is involved? So, so a company says, okay, you know, we, they're looking out. We, we need to do something. We need to, we need to get ahead of this. What should they do? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that is the $64 million question for, for most of these organizations, in some cases, even more. Uh, it's actually, I think the, fir- the first thing is really around, uh, actually, the first thing is to be really clear about your intent. I mean, it, it actually means that the whole idea of being strategically certain about your choice of the platform you're going to choose to try and, and win on becomes really important. Uh, and of course, then, you know, once you've chosen that, that perspective, it's then really important to understand how is that fitting into how I'm going to operate the rest of my business as well. And I think that what, we're, what we try and do with, with our clients around that is help them, yes, with that process of understanding the nature of platforms, how their data could be a, you know, a real clue to where, where differentiation could come from, how a, a, a workflow or a process has the potential be, to be distinctive. But in many cases, I think our clients have a very strong, strong sense of that. Their real question then is, what's the, what's the blueprint? What's the roadmap going to be as I then move down the path to start to create this capability? The second thing that they're grappling with, I think very much is around the issue of, of how do I um, continue to focus on innovation in my organization while the fact that I've got to start to put in place some robust platforms, because a lot of the innovation that we see, you know, can, can lead to a proliferation of ideas and, and things across these big companies. And we see lots of things we call proofs of concept going on. But actually, you need to make sure they don't sort of, you know, just distract you from seeing the bigger picture. And there, there was a need, therefore, to continually balance between um, innovation, co-creation, and the building of these platforms. And so, you know, again, what we have focused on is we've created something we've called cognitive garages, which in many cases are actually you know, in our clients' premises. In some cases, they're in our premises, uh, where we together, first of all, tried to create that, that co-creation environment to sort of help people think about how will I apply these technologies to transform my critical workflows in my business, particularly making them ever more customer-centric and, and aligned with the customer journeys that our clients want to go on. But then also, how do I start to then eat the elephant? How do I create the first building blocks? Uh, and then how do I govern the process going forward of having to invest in this over time? Because in the end, there are major investments required here. There are major architectural choices to be made. Uh, and, and, and being able to help guide that and to spot the moment when that's going to happen becomes really, really key. What about the, the dimension? You, when, you, when you talk about data, that means sharing of data, and that means uh, data going across silos, organizations, systems, departments, people that previously were, were siloed. And then that leads into 
the culture of an organization. And so the tentacles of this start to spread far and wide very quickly. And so can you, can you address that cultural dimension and breaking down of silos and all of that as well? Yes, Michael, I mean, it's a very, very important point. I mean, it's very interesting that, again, coming out of that um, CEO forum that took place in New York, the single biggest topic that those CEOs wanted to talk about, apart from the fact they were thinking about building these platforms, was the cultural challenge of getting there and the cultural challenge of the change in their business that this kind of change of thinking and approach uh, really led to. Uh, and it's quite clear that there, there are a number of aspects uh, to this. You know, one of, one of the key parts of this is how do you create a truly uh, learning organization? Uh, because part of the, the model that we're seeing here is one that is fast changing, that as the power of your data is, is making your processes more um, uh, evolve, and as they get smarter and smarter and smarter, you know, the need for the people working those processes to keep up and then frankly to keep, keep ahead of that process becomes you know, also very important. So the, the reskilling agenda um, that's so important for, for organizations, both therefore around how workforces are gonna shift in this world, uh, where new skills need to be built, how existing workforces need to be trained uh, for the future becomes a really big idea, quite apart from the issue you touched on of, of cross-organizational collaboration, um, the, the, the true agility you need to build into your company to make it work in this way. Uh, I mean, we see lots of organizations and we work with many organizations that, that talk about being agile. Uh, and we ourselves in IBM have done a lot of work around trying to make ourselves more of an agile organization. But this, this agenda sets a whole new bar for what that really means in terms of the fluidity of, of using skills, the fluidity of teams, uh, how you, as you say, bring people together to help build those building blocks, uh, while at the same time, of course, keeping the plane in the air around the fact that these are all large organizations delivering really, really important things as business as usual right now. So again, the challenge of, of an evolving culture, the challenge of balancing the new with the with the legacy becomes you know just a really you know important leadership challenge and i think again we, we have a strong view that this this does mean you know the leader of the future will need to have you know a set of different skills than than the way we've managed organizations uh, even now uh, another step on from the matrix organization another step on in terms of how you actually uh, you know balance these agendas uh, side by side becomes really key Mark, can you describe differences between uh, the, the innovators who are embracing the practices that you've just described and companies that are having more difficulty with that? Yes, I mean, again, at the research that we undertook with our, with our C-suite uh, study around the world, we, 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 did, we tried to, say again, parse out those organizations we saw as, as, as winning and innovating and those organizations that perhaps were, were, were less, less successful. When you looked at the ones that were, were more successful, they were the ones that had put in place uh, a deeper co-creational um, environment, uh, were incenting their employees to engage in this innovation agenda in a different way, uh, were creating this kind of, uh, again, uh, more open and collaborative culture between the, the various parts of the business. These were all characteristics that we could you know, hear and see people talking about in those, in those leading organizations. And again, so I think that it's a clue. I mean, I, I, I like to use the analogy of a Formula One uh, racing team uh, to describe a little bit what I think this world is like. Uh, I mean, for those of you who 
who follow Formula One, you, you know that you know, the team the team races, they race somewhere in the world, you know, they, they gather an enormous amount of data uh, about the, the, the tr about the track, about the, about the car, about the driver, about the engine, every single facet. They then go back to base for two weeks while they learn from all of that. They, they get, gather that information, they use that data, they redesign the car, they, they retrain the driver, they think about all their processes, they turn up and they, they race again two weeks later. Thinking what that means in terms of how, is, how do I make my company more like a Formula One team in terms of the, the pace of change, the, the adaptability of every, every aspect of it, I think is something that you know, I think sets a bar for us all to think about, about this balance between the cultural shift and the more underlying you know, process shifts, and of course, technology shifts. I mean, one of the things we've, we've not, not touched on here so far is of course, you know, underpinning all of this, there are some very important ideas about my data and how I manage my data and how I access the data, how I make my data fit for purpose for the world that I'm talking about. There are, of course, um, big questions about my, my AI architecture, how I'm going to use machine learning in a powerful way in the business. And of course, you know, all of this or much of it, many of these platforms are going to exist on the cloud. It's, the cloud is going to be the vehicle through which the agility and the adaptiveness of these models is maintained in our clients. So the other piece of this journey for us is what's happening to my, my underlying application architecture to support these platforms as that architecture, yes, will move slowly to the cloud. But again, I think that what we would say is this platform idea is at the heart of why go to the cloud as opposed to just go to the cloud because the cloud is there or go to the cloud because there's a TCO um, opportunity in your, in your technology around leveraging the cloud. For me, the business case is going to be very much more leveraging around the fact that I can now accelerate the creation, the operation, the change, the platforms I need to create for the future in a cloud environment. Yes, yeah, so the, the, this whole issue of, uh, you mentioned application architecture and then the underlying enterprise architecture seems a, a very fundamental part of accomplishing the things that you've just been talking about. Yes, and I think to be honest with you, we're probably just only beginning to think through some of the really bigger picture ideas here. I, I don't think we yet fully see um, platform-centric operating models entirely in place yet. It is interesting though how many people though are working their way towards it, how many people start to think about their business in terms of platforms and, and, and you'll start to look below the covers and start to see that an organization's not organized by sales and marketing, supply chain or by functions, um, not organized purely by geographies, but actually starts to be organized by this, this kind of um, you know, platform and process model um, you know, as a way of actually thinking about your operating model end to end. So where are we now? Is it the, the proof of concept phase? Is it the early buildings phase, the, the design phase? Where are we now uh, for many organizations in terms of the, the movement to these more advanced uh, business models that rely on platforms, data, and technology as you've been describing? We're in early days, let's be clear. I think we're, we're staring at the journey of the next decade or so. Uh, so we're, we're at an early stage. Uh, of course, it's also, as you said before, it's going on at the same time as we're completing our digital journey, and the two of them are, are, are merging themselves uh, together, if, if you like, at the moment. So I think we are in early stage. We're, I think we are also, you know, in some cases, moving beyond uh, the proof of concept stage. I mean, we can certainly see you know, uh, new businesses like, for example, the work we've done with Orange Bank 
um, in, in, in France, for example, where we've brought together, they have created a completely new digital bank, um, which is very much a fresh platform that straddles the world of a telco and a bank to create a completely new enterprise. That's up and running. It's, it's, it's serving customers. It's, it's out there at scale. Uh, and it's very much uh, liver, living off this power of data and using AI in very creative ways to, to connect with customers, to identify needs and, and think about it in a different way. I mean, I think we are, it was interesting that, you know, for example, uh, from our study, that over 80% of the leading organizations in that study said they were using their data around customers to identify and meet previously unmet customer needs. And so the confidence that talks to about the fact that people are actually starting to really use this information and having the tools to use the information and having used those tools to transmit, transform processes I think starts to give us a, re a real sense of confidence of where people are in embarking on these journeys. Having said that, I'd say that most people are still in the in the um, planning, planning and early scale implementation thinking of those of those journeys. And we're not talking here about implementing a chatbot to help with customer service. We're talking about redesigning and rethinking core aspects of both business model and relationship to, to customers. Exactly, exactly, Michael. So, the, so I mean, this is about workflows being reimagined. Uh, I mean, it, so for me, this is another entire step on from what we would have called process re-engineering in the past, um, or Lean Six Sigma, whatever the, the techniques are. But this is now, you know, completely reimagining a workflow because you can, because you know, the power of automation, uh, the leverage of sensing in, in IoT, uh, the power of AI to use my data to transform and, 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 and cut across previously long, long chains of activity in a process. You know, to, to, to take the, the, a lot of the, the grunt work out that, that many, many large organizations find themselves having to do to, to, support, process, to support processes. This really does you know, put up a huge opportunity. Again, uh, to your point, I think what we would say is you, you should make sure that all of those process uh, workflow changes continue to be laser focused on supporting, enhancing your customer interaction, uh, supporting your innovation processes. Uh, making sure that they are things that are going to help you stay ahead of the game, stay connected, hold on to your market in a very powerful way. Many companies uh, find it easier to use technology to create efficiency or to undertake minor innovation at the edges rather than to embrace platforms, technologies, data, all these new things to, to really innovate at the core. And so how do you help them or what do, what do companies need to do in order to think beyond efficiency, but to think really at core innovation as, as you're describing? Yes, well, I think I touched it before. I do believe that things like the creation of a sort of a, a this kind of cognitive garage idea, but also I think it's making sure that for you from the top of the organization right down, you have the signals about how important change is how important this, this evolution is going to be for competitive advantage and for staying in the game has to come from the very top of the organization. There also obviously are techniques you can use that are around how we create centers of excellence around many of these things. Many of our clients are creating their AI center of excellence in their business. Many of them are creating centers of excellence around their cloud capabilities. What we say is bring those things together and, and orchestrate them behind this idea of the platforms you want to create, the workflows that are important to you to differentiate yourself. And that will also, of course, you know, again, 
avoid inefficiency in the change process itself uh, at the same time. So I think these are these are things. So I think you know clarity of intent, strong leadership, really important as always. Uh, then I think there are some things that you can do as a as a large organisation to create capability pools of capability that start to be models for how you want the whole place uh, to work in the future. So you're so then you're also talking about rethinking the organizational design in some cases to be able to take advantage of the technologies and the the enterprise the architectures that are being put the technology architectures and the data that are, that are being put into place. Absolutely, and as I say, it's both the organization and it's the ways of working, uh, which I touched on my point around you. Know, truly agile, um, uh, truly collaborative, truly cross-functional. I mean, these are all, they all have to go to a different level, I think, of, of thinking than we have done uh, so far. Uh, and again, I think it, it is about also, it's purposeful. It really needs to be purposeful. A lot, a lot of the, these models uh, are designed uh, in some case, or can, can be designed to be very good on the kind of innovation um, spooling up, but not so powerful on the getting things done and, and importantly for our clients, getting them done in a way that is robust uh, and has to be underlyingly proven at an industrial scale because we're talking about you know, systems that are going to keep aeroplanes in the air, you know, systems that are going to you know, ma manage, manage so much that's at the heart of mission criticality in banks and our financial systems. Uh, so many of these processes that are actually you know, genuinely, they're not at the edges of organizations, they're at the heart of the organization and therefore you need to balance all the time this, this agile thinking with a way that's going to create solid platforms around really important areas of the business. You mentioned earlier a uh, bank that spun off, I, I believe you said, a spun off a separate unit in order to be a, a digital bank. Is, that, is it really necessary for large companies to kind of spin off this innovation or can they in, in a reasonable way, reasonable time frame, make the change internally, change their DNA in this way. Really, really interesting. I mean, we actually see both models in play, uh, Michael. We see, in the case I gave before, actually, it was a telco that, that had created a bank. So that was actually a cross-industry play uh, that was going on there. But we have also got examples uh, like Bradesco, uh, a client of ours in, in Brazil, who have created their own new bank called Next, which is designed to be a, a bank actually for the unbanked in that previously unbanked uh, young population of Brazil to create a completely different you know, leapfrog digital uh, relationship, if you like. And then what they're using is they're using the learning from that to, to back, back, back re-engineer, if you like, and transform the overall uh, Bradesco um, bank, which has been a long-standing you know, heritage bank in the region for, for, for many years. So we, we, we see people taking that path. But I think also we're increasingly seeing people say, well, the trouble with that is that's just going to take too long. And these platforms are actually you know, in the heart of my business. If I don't start working on the things that are in the heart of my business, it's going to be a long time until I can make you know, the really big changes that are necessary. So I think that we are seeing people having to step up to the, to the really difficult challenge of, 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 no, I'm afraid I've got to, in parallel, really start to work on changing my core. Uh, and changing my core uh, in, a, in a, a thoughtful way, but one that embeds these embeds these ideas. You know, changing my core with a clear view of the platform. Changing my core using agile models and techniques to do it. Doing it in sprints that that don't end up being great slab-like implementations over multiple years. All these things start to be techniques to to, to help people solve that very difficult challenge. 
Mark, we only have a short time left, but we have a, uh, an excellent question from Twitter and one I was thinking about and one that I should have asked, so thank you, Twitter. And, and that is, uh, are there specific industries or types of businesses that are making the greatest advances in this? Very good, very good question. Uh, and certainly, well, I will say one thing that came through from our C-suite study was that there was evidence of this phenomenon across all industries, and indeed, by the way, across government and as well as as well as you know, non-industrial sectors too. I mean, this is actually the fundamental drivers here are, are happening everywhere. Uh, I do think that you you obviously would see it's expected that some of the things have been more consumer-driven. The, the digital agenda has been more driven from that kind of consumer, the retail, banking, those kind of B to C type plays. I would say that this cognitive um, agenda is also emerging very strongly though on the B2B environment as well because actually many of that's where a lot of this power of using um, of IoT, of using different forms of, um, of technology like blockchain etc start to have another place to play out um, in a way that's not so dependent on there being that immediate uh, uh, kind of B2C uh, prior relationship and of course it's allowing B2B models to become more B2C models as well. So I think that obviously yes, as you'd expect you know, the financial services are very, are very much in this space, uh, and the consumer goods industries have been very strong in this space. The telcos have been, uh, have been getting into this area. But actually, what we're increasingly seeing is it moving into uh, perhaps uh, you know, industrial sector, oil and oil and gas, uh, and obviously energy utilities start to become you know, increasingly uh, uh, leveraging of this modern idea. Now we really only have a couple of minutes left, uh, and I have about twenty questions left to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think it's going to work to go on for another couple of hours. Um, so, so you've mentioned blockchain. So I'll, I'll just try to get a few in very, very quickly. How's that? Just before we finish up, you mentioned blockchain a couple of times. And is blockchain really happening in in a in in, in a real way with projects, actual projects yet, or is it still too early? No, it is. It is really happening. Uh, we you know, we at IBM feel we have a a very strong you know, leadership position around the fact that we're doing real scale projects around the world. You know, whether it's the the, the, the Maersk uh, trade example I gave, whether it's the Walmart food safety uh, example, there are you know, many. There are now many networks that we're involved with that are thinking about that are putting this stuff into place and are moving beyond proof of concept and to really starting to create the underlying ecosystem that can leverage it. We're also seeing it begin to be used actually. Uh, you know, by individual clients to, to, re to reinforce a process. So you know, for Unilever, for example, improving their accounts payable, uh, which we happen to do the, the business process outsourcing for, but using that blockchain now to really reduce the invoicing, cost per invoice. That's a real example of something we're really doing now and rolling out to more and more of Unilever's uh, suppliers as we do that right now. So I think that we, yes, of course, this is still relatively early days, but the, I think it's moving into what I call the real world. I think there's also a bit of a shakedown going on about you know what's it really work, what's it for, where does it really have a power, uh, and it's around you know certainly I do think you know those kind of processes that do have lots of um, documentation uh, that can be simplified and taken out, lots of handoffs down a process. That's a very natural place for this to be applied. Uh, but there are other things where it won't make sense other transactional areas where it won't make sense for this to be applied. So I think we're helping also our clients think through where does this particular technology help? Just to be help them think through where does IoT help? Or where does AI help? And we try to create, if you like, a map of if you're a bank, where can AI most help you in terms of delivering the most value? We want to try and make sure we're focusing on those value pools 
that are really that are really worth it, not actually just creating a series of interesting experiments. Okay, we we are pretty much out of time here. Any literally in thirty seconds, any. Find, tell us everything you know in kind of summed up wisdom in 30 seconds. How's that? Uh, that's that's impossible, Michael. But I, I, I want to say is I think that, first of all, this, this, this inflection point is real. Uh, and, and I think it's very exciting. It's a very exciting time for us. It's a very exciting time for our clients. Clearly, this inflection point also has huge dangers and risks to it. So I think it's really important that we, and that's where, you know, this is something that we believe the combination of, of our experience with the visions that our clients have uh, is going to be a really, really powerful combination to make sure that, you know, more organizations go on this journey quickly, but safely. Okay, what a very fast uh, moving conversation that has been. We have been speaking with Mark Foster, who is the head of IBM Global Business Services, a $16 billion organization. Mark, thank you so much for taking time to be here with us today. Pleasure. Everybody, tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, and we will be next back next week with another great show. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah.